Welcome to season two of the B Major podcast. My name is Noah Aronson. I am a composer and performer, a seeker and intentional mover. I started B Major to explore the intersection of creativity, wellness, and spirituality. On this podcast, you'll hear interviews with community leaders, artists, creatives, and a number of wellness practitioners working in various modalities of physical, spiritual, psychological, and emotional healing. I offer insights into my own creative and spiritual journey, including meditations and practices, which hopefully inspire you to be happier, be healthier, be more creative, and be major. Welcome back, B Major friends. I'm very excited to kick off season two of the B Major podcast. On today's episode, I had a chance to interview Rabbi Karen Kadar live in the presence of her congregation in Deerfield, Illinois. Our conversation explored her creative and spiritual journey as the rabbi of her community for the past 20 years and how her work there has informed and inspired her poetry and writing throughout her career. Before we jump into the interview, let's take a moment to drop into ourselves and into our bodies together. I'll improvise some music and help guide us through a moment of presence and reflection. yourself right now. With the music and the notes. Punctuate different aspects of your spirit that are needing attention right now. breath. Be curious at where it leads you. Without judgment, no aspect of you is a mistake. No part of this experience is wrong. You are exactly who you need to be. You are exactly where you need to be. Everything that is happening, everything that has happened, is flowing exactly the way it's meant to. Just breathe, be with the experience, 
stay here. This is everything. You are everything. The whole universe within you right now, right here. for my interview with Karen Kadar. And I can everything about you I can Today we are live in Deerfield, Illinois, sitting in the gorgeous sacred hall of B'nai Jeshrin Beth Elohim, or BJBE for short, where Karen Kadar has been serving as senior rabbi for 19 years. In addition to her pastoral work here within the walls of this congregation, Karen is also a spiritual director, inspirational speaker, a writer, poet, and author of many, many volumes of books, including God Whispers, the Dance of the Dolphin, The Bridge to Forgiveness, Omer, Accounting, and her latest work, Amen, just to name a few. Karen is the perfect embodiment of someone doing the work at the meeting point of spirituality, wellness, and creativity, and I am honored to welcome her here onto the show today in the presence of this live audience of just a handful of people who she has affected by her compassionate leadership, her patient guidance, and the openness in which she shares the most intimate spiritual yearnings of her heart. So, can you please help me in welcoming Rabbi Karen Kadar to our B Major podcast? Yeah, we can actually hear them. They're really here. The people are here. You can actually hear the people. For the last two years, I know that you've been doing this as well. We've been doing Zoom uh, worship experiences and Zoom services, and you can't actually hear applause or people responding. So. Right. So it's nice to actually get the, the sound of, of, of applause every now and then. It's nice to see everybody. and. Oh, please, you shouldn't have. How you did go on, how you did go on. (laughs) Uh, So um, I I say this on a a bunch of my podcasts, but I have a lot of questions prepared, but oftentimes I never even get to them because the conversation is about creativity, and so oftentimes when I'm speaking to someone as creative as as you are, the, the conversation kind of percolates and goes in many spontaneous directions. But what I love to start with is this this, this question about your, your journey, like what was your childhood like? What was the creativity and the spirituality in your childhood and in your home growing up? And how did some of those experiences lead you to kind of where you're at right now? First of all, Noah, thank you so much for coming to our congregation and, uh, and for the work that you do out there in the world through this podcast, through the way that you walk through this world 
and through the inspiration of your music. You are truly an extraordinary spirit, and we're just all honored to be in your presence in this moment. So thank you very much. You know, I was a dreamy kid uh, growing up. Uh, Lots of make-believe, lots of imagination. I understand now that that was the creative spirit moving through me, but Mm -hmm. at the time, it it was odd. When others wanted to play softball, I wanted to pretend I was a wild Mustang and ran around the playground yearning to be free. When others were riding bicycles, I was lying on my back looking and seeing how the green leaves were against the blue sky as the sun started to set and and just imagine the intersection between that blue and that green. Mm. I guess as a child it looked odd, but for me it was um, a deep dive into a world with, of the spirit of creativity, uh, and I was encouraged to be that person um, mm. by my parents, just to be authentic and be who I was, mm. be who I am. It's so lucky to have that support of the, the, of the creative inspiration, the creative spark, to have that, that support from, from an early age, I think, is, is everything. It is. Yeah. It's everything. It's too... Uh, we were talking a little bit before, and, and this morning when I was writing a little bit, I, I thought to myself um, how I grew up with two enduring powers from my mother and father. Um, one is the power of yes. Yes, you can do whatever it is you want. <laughs> you know, we all grew up with a myth in our lives, and uh, I actually can't do anything that, everything that I want, although I don't think I would want to be a brain surgeon. If I did, I couldn't do it. Um, but growing up with the power of yes is really, really um, liberating. And the second power I grew up with was the power of courage. Just have courage. Because it takes a lot of courage to live in yes. Living in no, um, living in no is kind of easier. The retreat, the the don't go towards it, the, oh, I might as well just go ahead and not bother or not, not step into that void. My father, blessed memory, used to say, Karen, do you know why there's a void out there? I said, no, Daddy, why is there a void out there? He said, because you haven't stepped into it yet. <laughs> step uh, into the void. Uh, mm. It's... When I walk around this space, and I understand that uh, the people who are listening uh, and the podcast will not have a, uh, the same experience because um, this is not a visual podcast, it's an audio, audio podcast. But when I walk around this space, there is the embodiment of that power of yes everywhere I go. I, I was talking about it with the cantor, and, and kind of the cantor was taking me around and showing me different, different things, and every aspect of this building is touched with creativity and touched with inspiration. And I was like, wow, it took someone, the, uh, like someone really courageous to say, okay, yeah, let's build a, a, a pod, a glass pod, just for people to sit in and have nothing in it but just a seat. And, and, and that just takes abundant courage to say yes. And, and that's, the, I'm just, just by a show of hands, I'm just wondering how many other people here in this space grew up with the power of yes? 
And I'm just going to say for the listeners, I see maybe like 10 or 12 hands in the room of maybe of over 100 people. I also don't think I grew up with that with that uh, encouragement of, of the yes. It was it was more like you know think small, you know don't don't take too big of risks. I think most of us are are that and and to 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 walk around this space and see so much of your footprint and handprint uh, and soul print in here. Um, is so I would love for you to talk a little bit about to help to paint a picture for those of people who are not here in person to be able to just understand the creativity of just what you've helped put into place in uh, in this physical space. Well, when we when we came together to build a building, we knew we had to move from where we were, um, and we started out with questions um, rather than a design. And one of the questions was, um, what are our values? And then the second question was, well, how do you manifest a value? How do you physically build a value so that the space that you're walking in speaks the language of your intention? It is a manifestation of what it is that you believe. So that everybody who comes in understands the big idea of what you're about, even though they can't necessarily articulate it. And that the space then creates a human dynamic, a way of, of interacting, of being in the world, of beauty, of richness. And you intuitively understand that this is a space in which you've been invited to some great big idea mm. which, is which is magnetic. And the other thing I would say is that we also, it, it's a synagogue, so we were going to build a sanctuary, of course, and it was one of the last things to be built um, because the world economy crashed um, just as we destroyed one asset and sold another, but I digress. <laughs> How do you build pockets of holiness? How in every place that you walk, every hallway, every corner, you sense a pocket of holiness. And here I invite your audience to look around their own homes mm. and find one little corner of their home that they can turn into a pocket of holiness so that when they sit there and they're present, they feel a presence. So those were a couple of the questions we asked. I love that. I mean, the pockets of holiness, I think, are everywhere, um, almost palpably and obviously so when I walk around this space. Um, but I don't think I heard the answer for what is the big idea that people actually supposed to, to feel. So the big idea, um, as is every big idea, not particularly original, but incredibly impactful, is how do I find meaning and purpose in my life? So meaning we define as that internal question that you have with yourself in the dark, dark part of your night. You're lying there, alone and solitary, and you kind of say to nothing in particular or everything in particular, what am I doing here? That's a question of meaning. And purpose is the external conversation we have with the world. You turn on the lights, you step into the world, you're in the community, and you want to make your life matter. And the answer, the question then is, how can I help you? Hmm. 
So the question of meaning is, what am I doing here? And the question of purpose is, how can I help you? How can I be of service? How can I be of service to you? Mm. And that's meaning and purpose. So when you walk into a synagogue, this is the one place that you shouldn't feel invisible. We all know each other. You all know each other. You may not know each other's names. You don't know each other's stories necessarily. But you know that you cry when you're sad, that you so desperately want peace in this horribly broken world. You know that you feel lost. You know that you yearn to love and, and have joy. You all know each other, and so you walk into a synagogue in search of the meaning of your life and the purpose of your life, and then connect with each other. Right in the center of our synagogue is what we call the village center. You kind of bump up shoulders with one another and say, hey, I know you. You're the one that's searching for meaning. My name's Karen. What's yours? I love that. And I love the idea that this is the one place, I mean, hopefully all places should be, but this, the one place where you should definitely should not feel invisible. But elsewhere, you actually also write, I believe in the invisible. Yes. And so what did you mean when you said that? Oh, my gosh. You know, it, it's, uh, I, I told this uh, to the congregation at the last High Holidays, and I'll share it with you. When I was writing my first book, God Whispers, I was writing in... Um, in Borders, the bookstore of blessed memory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I would go to the cafe in Borders and uh, write with a couple of friends, and uh, we just wrote by ourselves. We didn't share our writing. And when I would get bored with my own thoughts, I would walk in the stacks, and in the stacks next to the cafe was the business section, business books, books about business leadership. And there was a book that was called Selling the Invisible. And I said oh my God, that's what I do. <laughs> I totally sell the invisible. And so the, the, the purpose and the meaning of my particular life, of my entire life's work, is to sell the invisible. As Cantor said um, earlier, where's beauty? Where is love? Touch graciousness. Believe in legacy and eternity. Mm. Aspire to transformation and transcendence all those things are very invisible until we articulate them hold them in the palm of our hand and then toss them to the other person to catch mm. so that's what i mean by seeing the invisible yeah and that feels like what the creative process is about 100 percent. it's playing catch with the universe universe kind of like ripples out and you catch that ripple and you say, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. I, I would love to kind of dive into the creative process with you. Um, obviously, as, as a composer and a songwriter, I'm constantly in exploration of the creative and the creativity and how it flows and moves through my body and how I'm, uh, I'm, I'm expressing my quote-unquote creativity, but also just creativity with a capital C. Uh, and I wonder how you define the word creativity and what that means for you and how um, is it something that emerges from within you or is it something that you are uh, being receptive to well, I, I think we're all creative human beings. A lot of people say, um, I'm not particularly creative, but I, if you believe at all the myth of our creation story, in the beginning there was darkness and there was void, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And Rashi said, so what's that light? And Rashi answers his own question. He says, that's the light, that's the spark within every single person who's here. 
So you have within you a creative spark. So to access that, you have to sort of open up your heart, open up your mind, push away your fears and your judgment, and become like an incredibly big, magnificently crafted pipe organ. <laughs> Where all you have to do is step on a pedal and push a key, and music comes out of you. And every one of us has that capability, that divine spirit. For me personally, creativity is life. When I'm not creative, I might as well curl up in a ball. Um, I'm useless and, and, and boring and bored. And not particularly pleasant to be with. <laughs> and, when, and the creative spirit that... that comes to me, I almost see it in the image of a muse, which is kind of like a little girl whose hair is blowing in the wind, and she holds out her hand to grab me, and I just hold out my hand, and when I feel her presence, I go sit in a chair and start to write. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just one word or one image. I don't know what the second word is. And if I don't snub the muse, if I actually sit down and write, things open up before me. Mm. Yes. Is that too esoteric? No, it's, it's saying yes to it. I have this um, uh, picture in my, in my studio in New York, and it just says, just start. There you uh, go. It's all you need. And I, I have conversations with people all the time, and they're like, oh, you're so creative. And I'm like, no, you're so creative. We, we are all so creative. And, and it, we're doing ourselves a detriment if we say, I'm not creative. Right. Each and every one of us is a creation. We are creatures. We are all created, and we all have creativity within us. And if we all are believing that there is a creator, then when any time that we try to create and we bring things into being, we are being like the divine. We are being part of that creativity that is constantly feeding us and flowing through us. And so every one of us has the power to be creative. Love it. Amen to that. Love it. Absolutely. So what you're saying to me sounds like exactly what... You don't know where it starts from, but you, you're kind of just picking up the pieces and you're saying, oh, this is interesting, yes. This is interesting, yes. And you keep saying yes over and over and over again until it emerges whatever wants to emerge. It's seeing the irony and making meaning out of it, the paradoxes and making meaning out of it, the things that don't necessarily go together and say, oh, is that something that can go together? <laughs> it's putting pieces that normally would just look like random pieces floating off into the universe and saying, here, I'll take a little of that and a little of that. And what would happen if I put these, in my case, these words together? Would a thing of beauty come out of it? And sometimes I write and I don't even know what it means. Hmm. And, and I just, I sort of birth it into the world and I say, I don't know what this means. You figure it out. Yeah, let the other people interpret it. Yeah, it's all yours. Yeah. Have at it. <laughs> yeah. Let me know what you come up with. <laughs> that, that makes me quite, uh, curious, though, because um, a lot of what you're known for is um, your poetry and also your, your sacred liturgy. Like, you write your own liturgy, which uh, to me is like this profound, amazing thing. Like, wow, someone in 2020 can write, or sorry, what year are we in now? 2020, 2022. <laughs> Thank God we're not in 2020 anymore. Uh, but in 2022, someone can write liturgy now? I thought liturgy was something that was written 2,000 years ago, but you actually compose your own liturgy. And is there a difference for 
you in, in terms of, okay, I'm gonna set out to write a poem, or today I'm gonna set out to write liturgy. Is there a difference in terms of that creative process? Says the guy who has created music to the entire <laughs> prayer book. Thank you, please, let me hear that clapping. I don't know, Noah, how do you do it? <laughs> Sometimes it's just easier for me to write it than to look it up. You know, I spend a lot of time looking what it is that I want to say, what it is I want to create, and I can't find it, I can't find it. And I said, you know what, I'll just go ahead and write it. Totally. And, and I, I, I put it together, and I talk to people, and I say to my people, does this make any sense? Or do me a favor and edit this, and kind of like, and they always take it out my commas or adding a few, and... I've said the things same around. Thing. I'm looking at I'm looking at my editorial board over here, which is my my beautiful team. I, what you, I've never heard anybody else say what you just said, but I, with with music, and the same thing. It's like it's easier for me to write a lechado di than it is to me to learn a new lechado di. It's quicker for me to do that, and yeah. actually more fun. Yeah. And I and I enjoy the process because it gets me inside the prayer in totally. a different way. We sound so like geeks like, right now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but it's um, but it was nice to hear someone else reflecting that. Um, actually, kind of diving into the like the Jewish texts, I, I, I came across this story in the Talmud, which um, we were talking a little bit about before mm -hmm. before the interview, um, and it was a really fascinating conversation that ultimately was about about uh, creativity. Um, so the Book of Psalms is attributed to King David. Um, whether or not it was actually written by King David, we don't actually know. But traditionally speaking, we think that the Psalms were written by King David. And some of the psalms start with Mizmor le David, right? Mizmor le David. We have a lot of songs that start with Mizmor le David, which means like uh, from, uh, yeah, uh, like a song came to David, right? Or a, a, a poem came to David. And then there's other psalms that start with le David Mizmor, which means from David emerged a, a song. And so there's a, a, a conversation in the Talmud that happens about whether or not, uh, wh where does creativity and inspiration come from? Does it come from outside and then we have to wait and, to, and receive it? Or does creativity come from something from within and then we birth it out? Words and so I would love to hear your opinions, your thoughts. Does that resonate for you with that, that conversation? Such a great, a great Talmudic piece, and, and thank you for teaching it to me. And and absolutely, yes, it comes from within. It comes from without. It's it's the it's the greatest meaning of one. Shema Yisrael, listen, Yisrael, you strugglers with God, Adonai. There is a great beingness in this world. Adonai Eloheinu, and that great beingness in this world is our God, Adonai Echad, and that is oneness. So you are commanded as an imperative to discern and to listen to the oneness of this world, to the connection of all things. Does it come to me? I hope so. Mm. Do I go and greet it? Absolutely. And when we realize that we're not separate, that what is essential in me is essential in the entire world and the universe, and I just need to grab onto it and be tethered to something transcendent. In that holding on to that transcendent otherness, to that oneness, it kind of plays ricochet. It's all over the place. It's a little bit on the wall. It's a little bit in you. It's a little bit in me. And we kind of grab it in this net of creativity. And it's all a mirror. It's all it's, a mirror. It's all a mirror. You, reflecting, yeah. Yeah. 
looking at you, I'm seeing some of me. And you, and we, everything is a mirror, and all of this is a mirror of reflection within ourselves. And so, yes, it can be from within. And so that, I think that's what the conversation ended in the Talmud was about, is yes, some of them are mismor le David, and some of them are le David mismor. And when I think about creativity, sometimes I just start, and I don't know what I'm, what's starting. I just put my finger on the piano, and I hit some random notes, and then eventually this thing becomes that thing becomes that thing and then a couple hours later there's something new there or and there's other times when I I think ahead of time about what I would like to put forth into the world and I'm like okay I'm going to do that specific thing so there's no one right way to do it right. but, but I think the the answer for anybody stuck with their creativity is just start just there's start. no there's no rule book for it right and you you talked a little bit about before that like you you were kind of greeted by this inner child and like how do we access that that little that little girl that little boy within us because that's the key to to discovering that, that yeah i don't think it's an inner child I don't, I don't think she is of me i think she beckons me she what was it beckons me beckons you yeah but yeah hmm. So there's a, a the, the voice of a child calling from within you. It's just a feeling. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and what I've been fascinating with, fascinated with, um, for me, this has been a wellness journey as much as it's been a creative journey. Um, then, and and that's what I think is really interesting is, um, you know, artists throughout history have uh, have used creativity to help heal themselves and help to soothe themselves. And um, that has emerged for me as I've gone through my own spiritual and wellness journey. And, and I'm wondering for you where that meeting point is with creativity and wellness and, and how it can be a healing practice in addition to it just being something we want to emerge and put out, put forth into the world. It's not like, I want to be the most famous writer in the world. It's also like, oh, I can use this just for myself. Yeah. You know, we, we're all different, uh, and I, I'm listening to the two of us talk, and I'm wondering if you're sitting there thinking, hmm, I don't know, I don't know, but let me tell you something. The human being has four distinct aspects to themselves. All of us, you, you me, everyone. We're intellects. We were taught how to read the book and get the A and settle for the B and get kicked out of the house if we got the C, right? <laughs> We're all intellects. We're all an emotional mess. <laughs> We're emotional human beings. Something happened in our life that sort of swatted our soul around 10 years old and we've been healing ever since. So we all have mind, we all have emotion. We're all bodies. We walk through this world, thank God we're embodied. And we're all spiritual beings. So to sharpen the intellect, you talk to interesting people. And to tame the emotional, you go and see a therapist. And you deal with your emotions. And to deal with your body, you eat well. And you, you exercise and do the things or not. And you do the things that you're told to do or not. And you're tending to those three aspects of self. The spirit is not something that we were told to tend to. We never showed up at dinner time where our parents asked us about our spirits. They said, how'd you do on your test today? Gotta be. Did you have a fight with Johnny? No, no, we made, we made up, we're good. Did you brush your teeth? Yeah, I brushed my teeth. Did you have a revelation about God today? 
they never asked us. So we kind of lost the vocabulary of the spirit. We don't know how to talk about it. So Noah and I know how to talk about it. We're sitting here talking about whatever it is people talk about when they climb a mountain and the mist kind of goes and falls on them. But you have that spirit. You just need to find the vocabulary to express it. Mm. That sense, that inner being. And what is wellness? Wellness is when you take all aspects of self, your mind, your emotions, your body, your spirit, and you tend to each of them with great affection and love and bring them into alignment. And that integration we also call integrity. That's when you're living in your integrity. And we here at BJBE and you and your listeners somehow are committed to that big idea of finding the words and the behaviors so that we can live an integrated self and we can live in integrity. Yes. <laughs> We're all searching for meaning and finding. And, and I do believe that creativity is not just art. I make a distinction between that, that mathematicians and engineers and, and scientists, it's all creativity, business people, it's all creativity. Yep. It's all, we all have access to that. Mm -hmm. And we can use it as a way to heal ourselves from those that bully from 10 years old, whatever happened to us when we were children, and vice versa. I also believe that our wellness journey can contribute to our creativity. And when we are more healthy in mind and body and spirit, we can actually f find more joy in creativity. And so I think that's just, it goes, it goes hand in hand. And I'm, I'm curious, you've been serving this congregation as its pastor for 19 years. How has you being a servant and of, of this community and helping people through their own wellness and spiritual journeys contributed to your creativity and how has your creativity maybe helped serve this community and oh, that's a hard question <laughs> I don't know I kind of feel like we've all been in it together we just sort of climbed into this great big sandbox and played and the creativity is in the play. And sometimes when we're in pain, we comfort one another. And sometimes when we're in joy, we laugh with each other. And we search each other out so that we're not alone. I mean, look at us here. We're, we're not, you're not alone. And in that heart to heart and hand to hand and that embrace and that curiosity and the ability to ask about your story and to listen to your story and to be able to actually tell your story to somebody. In all of that, there has been great moments of depth and, uh, and God. We, we did a really good thing by coming here. We who came here in this generation and we who came here in a previous generation, knowing that synagogues are sanctuaries for something, and God, we all need a sanctuary. Whether we're alone in my office and that becomes the sanctuary, or when we're together at an Oneg eating a cookie soon, again, 
And in that conversation, that's a sanctuary. We are searching for a sanctuary of the being, and I, we have found each other. That's a miracle. We have totally found each other. And if those of you who are listening have not found that, just wander into a space. Say, I'm here. Hmm. Yeah, I was just very moved and touched by that. That I was reminded of this this phrase that I've been thinking about lately, that we suffer alone, but we heal together. And so much of your response just there was a we statement. I asked you a question about you, but you immediately shifted into a we. It's almost like you and the community are, are a oneness, the echad that you're talking about. And, and it's just, it's an honor to, to witness it and to, to be in front of people who you've served in this way. Um, and and it's, it's, it's a true blessing to, to witness it. Um, I have words of yours here that I could read, but it would probably be better if you read them. But I know I wanted to have a conversation about the words faith, courage, and wisdom. Oh, I, I hear I hear chuckles. I hear chuckles in the in the audience today. I did not today. plant that. Yeah. By the way, he picked that up. Well, I found these words that you wrote in May 2020, <laughs> um, and yeah, maybe I'll just hand this over to you and you can read it. So you wrote this in May of 2020. The one thing I know for sure, living takes faith, courage, and wisdom. I know this with every fiber and sinew of my body. I know this with my broken heart, with my unbreakable spirit, and with every vowel-laden breath. Faith, courage, and wisdom is the great truth of the resilient soul. It always has been and always will be. We are living a ricochet of emotions, a wild bouncing between fear and hope and denial and confusion and peace and blessing and guilt and angry, anger and secret joy and despair and existential astonishment and mortality and impermanence and the perpetual question of the soul that asks why and how and huh? So, living takes faith and courage and wisdom because that is the one thing I know for sure. I don't remember writing this. That's, <laughs> where'd you get that it from? Was, That's good. Will you send me a copy? <laughs> I was struck by it too. I thought it was very beautiful. Wow. So, it sounds like you know, if I, if I wasn't sitting with you, if I didn't know you, you know, some people might say, oh, okay, rabbis are all about talking about, or, 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 or even clergy people, they talk about faith, 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 faith. But it seems to me that you have, it's not just faith. And then you can talk to someone else and you can talk about courage, but, it's, but it can't just be courage. And then you talk about wisdom. And we were talking before about wisdom. We're like, we're not really sure about wisdom. You can't just have wisdom. So what is it about the combination of these three? that was kind of drew you. You did write these words, by the way. I do, it, it was, I'm quoting you right here. It kind of sounds like me, but yeah. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> 
It's a, um, it's a beautiful tapestry of, of being. Um, faith, the belief in the invisible, the, the belief, the insistence that I am not in the center of my universe, that if I put myself outside of myself and make myself God-centered, that I am, again, tethered to something bigger and grander than myself. And that takes courage. And we are all called to courageous living. And we are all called to become the hero of our own lives in every single disappointment and every single broken leg and every single bruise and every single disappointment and being and, and door that was closed to us is an invitation to become the hero of our own lives. Living takes courage. And wisdom is that quiet moment in which we somehow hear the, well, I don't know, the God whispers, the sort of little nothings that whisper and flutter inside of our soul that we pay attention to because we have faith that that's actually what it is that's happening and that we have courage to heed its call and the wisdom to discern it. And it goes around in a spiral and a circle and a circle. And we don't know which we're reacting to. Is this a moment of faith? Is this a moment of courage? Where do I find my wisdom? And you kind of walk on the cobblestones of life and you say, I just want it to be beautiful. I have faith that it will be beautiful. I have the courage to step inside the beauty of my own life. I have the wisdom to know the difference between the ugly and the beautiful. I have faith that it will be beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. What am I supposed to say after that? It's just like a... I think that uh, people who have been listening to the podcast for the past year, I, I have a I have a three word cycle that I talk about in terms of creativity, um, and it seems that it maps as you're speaking now, and I'm realizing it maps very very nicely onto that. So I talk about create the creative process as receive, feel, express, and then go in a loop. So we have to have and t taking your words now. So in order for us to to become creative or enter into creativity, we have to have the, the faith to receive some thing from some stimuli from outside of ourselves. Then we have to have the courage to feel, which that's where a lot of us get stuck. That's where I get stuck, is in that, that's the feeling place. I turn my feelings into meaning when the feeling could be the, the opportunity and in the invitation. But so oftentimes I make feeling mean something bad or negative. Oh, this is a bad feeling or this is a bad... Then it turns into a story and then I'm looping in my head as opposed to the feeling could actually be the very thing that we use to turn into creativity. But if we have the courage to feel, then the wisdom is in the expression. Then we can express that wisdom and people want, people are, are drawn in because they see something of themselves in whatever we write. I love reading your poetry because it's, 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 uh, it's not you focused. 
it's 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 eye focused. You're coming. It's it's very intimate. It's like you're inviting people into this 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 intimate uh, expression of your spiritual journey. And somehow, when I'm reading, you say I. I'm feeling I. <laughs> I'm feeling me within your words. It's a mirror. I'm glad again. you brought that up because I really struggle with that. You know, there is a. Uh, do I do I write? Do I write with you, we, or I? And almost everything I write, I sort of switch. And then um, some of my um, editors say, well, wait, you, you switched person here. And is it we, or is it you, or is it I? Because I have that struggle. Because I don't want to talk about me. But I actually think that there is a difference between self-obsessed and archetype. And that's where the artist is. When I can, t- if I talk about I and it's all about me, then I'm being self-obsessed. But if I talk about I and I've jumped to the archetype, then I'm talking about us. And the art artistry. Sometimes you hit it and sometimes you don't, and you don't really know. But the artist artistry is that I can say and I feel love for my children, and you believe that it is not about me and my children. You sort of feel about your own children. Or I am incredibly afraid for the families of the Ukraine. And you know it's not me because I've hit your fear and their fear. And we go to the archetype by starting with ourselves and become more universal rather than uh, more self-obsessed. It's a very fine line to use the personal story and that personal story then hits an archetype. And I'm learning as I'm sitting listening to you respond and it goes back to that question about how you serving in this community has served your creativity. I think I'm an as me I'm an independent artist. I work with the Jewish community but I am not working for any one particular congregation at this moment and I'm I'm hearing your response and realizing how informed you are by just being in community. How much being in community. You don't just see yourself as an I as an individual by yourself, you know, you know, no, then there's nobody else around. You are constantly envisioning yourself as part of the the we, the collective we here. Right. It has to hit. It has to hit. Uh, it has to hit them. It has to hit us. Can't be about me. There's no success in that. There's no wisdom in that. There's no beauty in that at all. It's just me alone. <laughs> well, I have 55 more questions. <laughs> But I also want to open the wine, though. So yes. I don't know. But I also want to open it up. Uh, if there's anybody else here in the room who would like to to have an opportunity to speak and to um, ask questions, David. All right. What an honor to be here. Um, what an honor to be here. My question is: There's a lot of ways that we could describe you, Rabbi. Um, but at the, one of the first words that would come out is leadership. Leader spiritually leader of the community a lot of different ways and I would just wonder what your thoughts and how you might communicate the concept of leadership and what your how you think about leadership because this community in this world needs leadership that's a that's a great question um I once wrote an article I haven't published it yet um that because I keep rewriting it 
that's the seven, paradox of, par, seven paradoxes of inspirational leadership. So it's not just leadership, it's inspirational leadership. Um, and the first paradox of, of inspirational leadership is to have delusions of grandeur and humility and to know the danger of one without the other. So it goes back to what my father taught me about stepping into the void, the delusions of grandeur. Any leader has to believe that you actually can step into the center of all things that are important and essential and with confidence try to make change, try to inspire, try to bring goodness into this world. And yet, you have to have the humility to say, and then I step out of the center, because the genius doesn't lie within me, it actually lies within the group. And you surround yourself where you're not the smartest person in the room ever, ever, ever. And the genius and the, the conversation that goes back and forth births the new and beautiful idea. Because as I said earlier, ideas are magnetic and the world is searching for an idea so that the leader does a few things. One, articulates the idea, sets the vision. Two, sets the strategy. Three, finds people who are implementers. And maybe even four, convenes genius, searches for treasure, other sparkle in this world so that as a group and as a collective, we can actually do something together because we're obligated to do something together because God forbid we don't do something together. We absolutely must come forward in the command to be present in this world that is so incredibly broken and put the pieces back together one little piece at a time, one little spark at a time, one little corner of the world to make it a little bit whole. To you two creative people, I bow, in humility and in, in admiration for both of you. The creative process, I believe, is within. And I agree, everyone has a creative process within themselves. To express it takes faith, courage, and wisdom. What does it feel like, however, when what you come out with musically or in poetry when that's criticized in a negative way, how does that feel? Because when I taught sixth grade kids, I refused to give a grade on anything that they wrote because I knew where it came from. But there are kids. You're two creative, wonderful people. How does it feel? <laughs> hey, Noah, how do you feel? Yeah. Oh, thank you for that question. That's a hard one, right? Yeah, ouch, I think is the first, the first thing is ouch, because this is uh, something that birthed from such an innocent place within myself, uh, and it was, it, it was, um, yeah, and also ouch for the person who's criticizing, too, like ouch for them, that 
like they're they're not receiving whatever was flowing through me and in that moment of beauty that they're not actually able to receive that for some reason and that the and so so ouch for for the world ouch for all of us um, but but yeah that that ouch feeling I think is often what prevents a lot of us from entering into the space of creativity that fear of of the shame of it the fear of not being part of community the peer the fear of oh no I'm going to be somehow different than everyone else and I'm going to be ostracized from my community because of expression of some sort. So that, that is the, the fear that prevents us. But I often feel like the people who I admire most are the ones who can live courageously, like Ber you know, Brene Brown talks about living courageously and bravely. Uh, those are the ones who, you know, you build up a resilience over time as well. And you build up this, this armor um, that, it, but it's, a, it's an armor of love. It's not an armor that's preventing it's an armor of of like a, a shield of a glowing shield that is just like okay what what needs to come forth will come forth and i have the the power to live authentically to to, to express that and also know that this shield is going to protect me and it's it's okay it's, it's all it's all love in the end but thank you for that question yeah right, here's the secret i go home three quarters of the time an absolute emotional mess they don't like me, they don't care about me, they don't understand me, they said no to me. We talked about the power of yes, don't ever say no to me. They're blocking me, they're doing this to me. And I just wanna say in this space right now, those of you who are listening on the podcast don't exactly know what I mean by this, but my community will. Thank God for Ezra. who is my husband, and when I go home saying, woe is me, he says, snap out of it, honey, there's a world to change. <laughs> Pretty much, no, no allowing me to, to go there. And that, my husband is an Israeli, and that sort of aggressive edge, that not willing to sort of coddle the, the self-pity, um, actually arms me to come back another day. It is very hard to deal with criticism and people who are creative or leaders or out there in the world are criticized all the time. And creative spirits are misunderstood all the time. And all I can say is, um, to quote Emily Dickinson, uh, judge gently of me, just be gentle. And that is ostensibly the work of the artist, right? We can choose whatever medium, if it's painting, if it's dancing, if it's theater, if it's whatever the medium is, 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 is not important. But it's, and the craft is also not important. We can spend our years honing the craft. I can play piano and guitar and all these things and practice the scales and everything. But it's taken me 38 years to learn how to live courageously and, and say, okay, I'm okay with whatever wants to emerge out of me in this moment. That's the, that's the hard and work. And to not become harsh, because no, the way I experience your work is that you are, I mean, Cantor, Frost and I were just talking about this, you are a gentle soul. And you just are. And you just won't be anything else. And gentle souls get bumped up against all the time. We're, we're bruised. Well, I don't think anyone would call me a gentle soul so much. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> but but to, to, to bring that music into the world as, as a moment of healing, 
and not to betray your gentle self because of the the criticism is really well. It's it's courageous living. Hi, hey, um, chime, chime, because because her parents walked into a store and heard wind chimes, and said, "Oh, that's going to be my daughter's name." Do you all know that about chime? The birthing of creativity, right there. Don't call her Chaim. That's chime. Um, my question is because the last two years have been. Um, so complicated and difficult for so many people and changed the trajectory of so many lives. What advice would you give to someone who um, lost their aim and meaning and purpose and connection feel impossible because that thread they had with those things um, doesn't look like it did before and won't ever look like that again? How would you have them step back into a space of creativity and connection. We've been traumatized for sure. We're all living one collective trauma. Um, and we have uh, PTSD for sure. You know, you have to step back into the world. And whatever you discovered about yourself by this sort of prolonged collective time out that you've had, by being put into the corner and denied access to all the things that are noisy and frenetic. Whatever you've learned from those things are enormous opportunities for resilience and courage and heroic living and self-awareness and introspection. We've been traumatized, but it's really, really okay. Sometimes I feel like um, the great theological world is a, a, a big game of hide and seek. Adam is in the garden and he's hiding from God and God says, hey Adam, where are you? Ayeka. Like God doesn't know. And Adam says, I'm hiding. God says, why are you hiding? And he says, because I'm naked. That's where we are now. We're in the middle of a game of hide and seek. We've been forced to hide and we feel incredibly vulnerable. And it's time to put back on our skins and our clothes and learn how to be in the society of one another again and to share the beautiful person that you've become because of this prolonged moment of vulnerability. The gift of seeing mortality eye to eye is a gift of realizing how fragile and yet how incredibly precious life is. You haven't lost anything. One foot in front of the other and you'll find your way back. Rabbi Karen Kadar, thank you. This has been a profoundly uh, moving hour. I'm grateful that you uh, agreed to come on this show on your birthday. 
And I am grateful that uh, you are a human in this world <laughs> and that you, uh, you exist, that someone like you exists to be a role model and a leader and an example for all of us in terms of what is possible. Um, so, so thank you for, for allowing this conversation to happen today. Thank you for your leadership in this community for the last 19 years. Thank you for everything you haven't yet done and you are about to do. And, and don't ask her what she's doing in her retirement. It doesn't matter. She's just going to continue to be this amazing person every single day. And that will be enough. That will be enough. Whatever. Just... Thank you, Noah. Thank you for having me. our show for today. Thank you once again to Rabbi Karen Kadar and to her BJBE community in Deerfield, Illinois, for welcoming me so warmly to conduct that live interview in their sacred space. After the interview, I led the community in an hour-long concert of my music and was brought to tears hearing the community singing together once again. This was their first time being back together in that same sacred space since the beginning of the pandemic, and there was a sense of waking something up within everybody in that room that had been dormant for the past two years. This feeling of belonging, community, and shared humanity that is elevated and heightened when we come together to sing. I hope you'll stay tuned for more interviews and episodes coming soon with the B Major Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch my latest videos. You can also subscribe to my newsletter to learn about my newest projects and whether I'll be performing in your area anytime soon. All of my information can be found by visiting my website, www.noaharonson.com, or visit the B Major website, www.bmajor.co. Please also follow me on Instagram and Facebook to stay connected with me there as well. Until next time, I am inviting you to just start. Whatever creative project is bubbling inside you, let it out. It doesn't matter where it starts. Just keep saying yes, like Rabbi Kadar tells us. Follow the breadcrumbs and let yourself be led by the powerful creative spark that is within us all. As always, I want to remind you that in any moment, you can choose to be happy, to be creative. You can choose to be major. I always find